Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Schreiber. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, greetings from Garden Square, Melbourne Park, just in front of the Rod Laver Arena. The time is 10.18pm. The fountain is trickling behind me. The big screen is still going because there is doubles action, 25% of it featuring a sensation uh, on the Rod Laver Arena. But singles action is finished for the night. And the reason we are here so early, or so not quite as late as usual is because Novak Djokovic, the nine-time champion, has just beaten not sensation Alex de Menor for the loss of just five games. Two of those games were were getting him to two all. And from two all, Novak Djokovic just went into a different mode, a quite terrifying mode. I mean, he's just described it as his best match of the year. I mean, by some distance, he was fearsome tonight it was pretty much a perfect performance David you watched the whole thing from the best seat in the house on the baseline at times just a few feet away from the nine-time champion how good was he yeah that, that's as good as tennis gets in my estimation um, I've seen it a few times from Djokovic in that commentary box actually I, I, my mind goes back to him playing Roger Federer in a much hyped semi-final about seven years ago and you know I was part of the hype you know Federer, Djokovic all the rest of it but it was when Djokovic was at his absolute peak in the first of his big peaks uh, or maybe second of his big peaks I suppose you'd take say that 40 something match run in 2011 or 12 or whenever it was as part of that but he came out and he just destroyed Federer for two sets for about the loss of three games and it was it was just as though he'd come out not just to win but to just destroy and send a message and tonight for whatever reason maybe it's just how he felt being in the zone maybe there was more to it he came out to seek and destroy his opponent Um, and even in those first four games that's what he was trying to do I could see in his eyes I could see the way he was striking the ball he wasn't trying to rally he was trying to knock Dimonor off the court and Dimonor to his credit I made a very foolish decision to put on Twitter that Dimonor has made a fantastic start because he's at two games all and he's living with this because that's what he was doing. But well on reflection winning two games was a blooming fantastic I I thought he was brilliant for the first four games at Dimonor 
And then I think he won two of the next 17. And, um, I mean, so I look stupid, but I don't care because that's what I saw at the time. And then I saw Djokovic just settle. He'd got an angry look in his eyes when he was at two all, as though he was frustrated that he couldn't quite get on top of it. And I, th- I thought it could go the other way. I thought that if Deminor could extend this parity and stay with him in the scoreboard, that he might start to lose his temper, get irritable the way he did the other night. Um, well, not a bit of it, He's because he just got better. He just got better and better and better. He started timing the ball. Um, it was some of the most awesome tennis I, I can imagine being played. It was nigh on perfection. And Rapier-like ground strokes into the corners, diving into the corners with his movement, touch, everything. He just It was like he ignored his opponent's game and just did what he wanted. And as if the tennis wasn't terrifying enough for everybody else left in the draw, when asked by Jim Curry in the on-court interview after the match, it was one of those quite long on-court interviews. They were obviously like, we've got some airtime to fill here, folks, because the tennis wasn't very long. When asked by Jim Curry, why did you beat him so quickly? He said, because I wanted to. <laughs> like like a predator toying with his prey and that was the question it was why it was not how and Jim made the because point because we'd didn't just he? seen how you know there's no point yeah, yes that was a very good very it well was. phrased question and, and it wasn't the only uh, comment in that encore interview that sounded like a threat to everyone left in the draw or a warning you know that I, I, I picked out three other lines one of them was I didn't feel anything today in my hamstring and I think that explains what you were saying David about how there was never any moment where it looked like he was going to get irritable or frustrated because he was feeling great there was no reason for him to and he thanked his medical team for sort of really helping him over the last week or so and you know, he, he did say, didn't he, the other night, it's on and off. Some, some days there are pains, some, some days there isn't quite so much. And this was clearly a completely pain-free day and we see what he's capable of. It was absolutely phenomenal. Um, there was also the line in this interview where he said, I don't want to celebrate too early. Yeah. Like, <laughs> honestly, like, I, I have already won the trophy, but it would be it would be rude <laughs> to to celebrate now. Like he, like he I'll, knows, I'll wait till Sunday. He knows that that level is winning the Australian Open. Yeah, he knows that. It's and a question of whether that level is exactly. something exactly. sustained. Exactly. We know it. He knows yeah. it. Everyone, Everyone knows, knows it. it. Like so, whether he can sustain it, we'll see. But I mean, probably, <laughs> given he's Novak Djokovic, and then the other the other sort of threat and. Not to, um, you know, sort of spoiler our chat, but I'm sure many people know the results already. But it was a direct threat to his next opponent, Andre Rublev, who he said plays a bit like Dumanor, and he said, hopefully the score will be the same. And <laughs> I just thought, poor Andre Rublev. And, and do you know what? Andre Rublev already didn't yeah, fancy his chances was, very yeah. much he already is in having an existential crisis about having to play this match he he didn't need it confirming for him that he stands close to no chance at all and I'm sorry to put it that way I know we should be hyping the match but after seeing what I've seen today and hearing what I've heard 
I just find it really hard as as brilliantly as Rublev did to steal that match in the fifth set super breaker from under Holger Rune's nose in the afternoon session on Rod Laver Arena tonight. If he doesn't believe he can beat Novak Djokovic, how can we? After <laughs> what we've seen after well, what we've seen tonight, I really think it is not necessarily huge for Djokovic that Runa has gone out because that tennis tonight beats Runa no matter what mindset Runa walks onto the court with. But f- for me, there's two things with beating Djokovic. There's the tennis, and okay, you know, tennis like tonight, there's no beating it, fine, whatever. But there's the mentality. There have been There are players with the tennis potentially at their top level to, to challenge Djokovic but I don't trust them mentally against him. I don't trust them to go on the court really in the f- in their bones believing that they can beat him. The only player that I thought that might be the case about was, was Holger Rune, and he is gone. Yeah. And I-, I think, you know, I don't think Djokovic will be worrying about the rest of the draw at all. I mean, you know, did he even notice that Alex de Menor was on the court against him today? Is just a I, I a figure with a racket I, I would in actually its say, hand. Uh, I, and I have no evidence for this. This is just a theory. I think he noticed he was against him, and then he noticed it was in Australia, and he noticed he was in Australia, and it's a year on from being kicked out of Australia. And I wonder whether it just made him even more determined to send a message poor Alex de Menor yeah. though lovely chap he didn't kick him out of Australia <laughs> no, I, I have no evidence of that either, and that may be completely wrong but I, I could believe it because players will, will use whatever they can use to get themselves motivated and hyped up I don't even think Djokovic needs to do that but you give him, a, you give him a, an extra reason you give like I said Federer being hyped up and all the rest of it okay then I'll show you what Roger Federer is going to get that's what it came across to me all those years ago that's what it came across to me like tonight and just look I'll preface it by saying I don't think Rublev is going to win a set against Djokovic in a couple of days time but Jim Courier said something in commentary the other day about Seb Korda um, when he was watching him and he said the the Korda that beat Medvedev is is not what you get every day you play tennis most of the time you're just trying to manage your game to, to, to get over the line now, OK, Djokovic is better than that. But not every day is like this. And a few days ago, he lost a set to a guy I'd not heard of before the match. And whose who's name? Right? <laughs> whose name is Quackow, right? I remember his name, just about. Um, but, you know, that, and that was from three love up in a tie break. Things can happen in a tennis tournament and, and, and no two days are necessarily the same. The hamstring could hurt again. Um, I don't expect these things to happen. I think now that he's won this match, I think he'll continue to be extremely good. But I, I do try to remember that, that sport and with this type of sport, you can, you, you, you can have a, a, a day that is elevated above all the others and then it might dip again. You know, so... And Rublev did make me laugh in his interview. It's like, oh no, I've got to play. Jo- I've got to play Djokovic. It's, it makes him lovable, actually. Rublev, oh, absolutely. So, he's um, so likable. I'm so pleased for him, just on a, a personal level that he won today. I've, I felt like he was already composing his um, apology for letting people down Instagram post that he always does after he 
after he loses. I felt like that was already happening when he was, you know, a, a breakdown in the set, Runa serving for that fifth set, and then five love down in, in the super tie break as well. Um, you know, I, I'm pleased for him on a personal level, but it did feel like today was his summit. You know, he said, I'm, I'm shaking after the match. He was so, so delighted. He said, I don't usually win matches like this. Mm. Um, you know, when he's behind, because by his own totally stark admission, I don't believe. You know, he was asked in the press conference, how did you keep believing in that fifth set? He said, I wasn't believing. Oh, I love that. I just happened to, you know, hang in there, just try to win points. I didn't really believe that they would amount to anything. Mm. And when he was match point down, by the way, he was in front of my commentary box window, and I think it was two match points in the tie-break in a row that Runa had. And he's, he's, he's stood right, he's standing as close to me as you are sitting next to me right now. And he, I could tell he didn't believe. I could tell he was thinking, here we go again. And, and yet, the good thing is he didn't lose his temper. And he didn't, like I said again, I enjoyed watching him play because he persevered. And he ended up winning. I, I think good for him, I really do. Yeah, he referenced in his press conference a match that he played in the French Open last year in the quarterfinals where it went to a fifth set tie break and he lost it 10-2 to Marin Cilic and he said he was just so pleased that that didn't happen again you know he was five love down in this one I'm sure those thoughts were racing and I thought he did really well to compose himself and served incredibly well he just just kept sort of nudging the score a little bit closer a little bit closer and that, that sort of put pressure on, on Runa. And from, from a Runa perspective, I really felt like we saw the absolute best of him today in terms of why we're all so excited about him. And Catherine and I went out onto court at the start of the fifth set to watch that. And we were, we were gasping at the shots he was hitting. You know, the way he can sort of pick the ball up on the half volley and inject pace into the ball it's, it's all absolutely staggering and if there's and, a men's backhand list he's yeah he's got to be it. on it I think so yeah. and I think we need that that list to start being developed yeah I, th- I think you're right um and and of course the highlight on the backhand side was that incredible backhand oh. winner that he hit down the line to save uh match point and there was this sort of incredible sort of moment where he was on this huge emotional high having having hit that backhand and then less than a minute later or about a minute later he's losing the match Runa on a dead net court I mean it just just sort of showed you how cruel tennis can be you know it can give you and take away within an instant Uh, but I think we also did see the areas where Runa can still improve like I felt like he was struggling physically in, in, in the middle portion of that match. It was played in the heat of the day. The sun was beating down. He had his blood pressure checked. He enjoyed getting into the shade, he didn't really he? He really did. He clocked that. Yeah, as the shade came across, it was like it just energised him again. And he, he looked a lot stronger in that fifth set than he had in the, in the fourth set. And then also we saw that as, as confident as he is and as sure of himself as he is, which is... You know what we like about him. He gets tight. He got tight against Djokovic in that final in in Paris, even, and it took several match points for him to get over the line there. And he got tight again today. Five two up in the fifth. Two match points up at six five. Five love up in the tiebreak. You know, and he didn't close from any of those positions. And 
The backhand, I think, stays pretty solid, but it's the forehand. He, he drops it short. He loses it his very, racket head speed. The, the arm gets very stiff, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and Rublev took advantage of that. And I think, you know, um, that's, a, that, that's an area where, where I think Runa can can improve and that's exciting because he's already he's already so good we were we were sitting in those press seats and there were some danish journalists behind some, some now very sad danish yeah, journalists because they because they said to me you know we're looking at our first grand slam men's champion here aren't we and i was like well yeah probably and uh, five minutes later he was out <laughs> <laughs> i feel like there were two I, I witnessed two absolutely def- definitive Holger Runa moments today. One was serving for the match at 5-3 in the fifth set. Mm. When he lost his serve to Love, he then, Rublev then held to Love. He lost eight points in a row, didn't he? He was so rushed. There is a difference, Holger, between eager and urgent and rushed and that's his whole career isn't it you know Sitsipas called him out for it in the pre-tournament press conference he's just all tennis all the time he wants it now and that might make him great you know that really might make him great and it might make things come early Carlos Alcaraz has also been in a rush he's wanted to be ahead of the curve but you know it, it also has its downsides and we saw that today he absolutely fluffed his lines serving for the set it was a frenzy it was chaos it was all over the place and the other definitive Holger Runa moment was in the press conference afterwards when he was so much more likable and composed and direct and open than I was expecting made made eye contact with everybody asking questions was devastated but very upfront and thoughtful in his answers I thought I was very impressed with him impressed today he maturity is not always a word I associate with Holger Rinner but I really saw some on some in that press conference room today and I I put to him the quote that Andre Rublev had given on court about uh, <laughs> about wanting to play anybody but Djokovic <laughs> and uh, I said would you have wanted to play Djokovic and he said I wanted to play Djokovic and that's the difference isn't it you know that's why I'd be so much more pumped for Runa Djokovic even though I'd still have Djokovic's heavy favourite when I watch anybody take on these great players I hate that sinking feeling of knowing that they're walking onto the court beaten Mm. mentally as much as they might try and pump themselves up of course you're trying to convince yourself but there's a difference between your head and your heart saying it and you know Rublev's obviously gonna try and make his brain believe that he can do it but his heart won't believe it I mean as much as I find Rublev and I have found him for a couple of years a really tough watch what I like is he the way he displays his vulnerabilities and still keeps coming back for more me too it makes me so I feel almost maternal towards yes. him. So it's warm, very, very positive towards him. But it? in terms <laughs> in of terms having of, a chance, yeah. Here's all I would say about that. Watching that match today, I, I thought he was going to lose. I thought Runa was going to get him. He got him into a winning position. All the rest of it. Runa's ceiling is clearly so much higher than Rublev's. His ability, he can do things that Rublev will never be able to do. But 
Rublev won the match. Now, I, I think in the future, in the long term, Runa will win more matches between the two of them, and Runa will be the one that can challenge Djokovic and win Grand Slam titles. I don't expect Rublev to win a Grand Slam title in his career, personally. I don't. But in terms of the match against Djokovic, even though I think he's got all of these doubts and they won't leave him and he'll they'll swirl around his head, he'll still come out and he'll throw himself to the, to the docks to try to win every single point. And if he could keep his equilibrium for the match and not just capitulate the way he does and, and, and combust and get upset to the point where he's punching his racket strings and just hating himself, if he could just persevere like he did today and stay in rallies and try, just try, try, try without blowing up, he might actually be able to make it interesting. I feel like you need to give him his pre-match pep talk, David. <laughs> I just want to see the, the, the Andre Rublev who doesn't make me turn away from the screen. Well, you have yeah. seen that today. You've I enjoyed have. the I've last two week. Andre Rublev he's matches. Been, he's been already really progressed. Yeah, it really is. And, I, and I, I wish him the best. I don't care who wins, but I, ju- I just want to see him do his self-justice. That's all. Yeah, I agree. I think, there's, I think there's two scenarios in this match. And one is that Rublev beats himself. Mm. And I don't want to see that. And I'm not sure we will. I think I agree with you, David. I think I think he will give a great account of himself. But the other scenario in my mind is that Djokovic just beats him because he's that because he's that good. He's that yeah. much better. I, I'm just really struggling to see the mm. third scenario, which is where Rublev wins. But I hope that Rublev goes out there and plays as he has done all tournament and says to Djokovic, "Well, you're going to have to play really well to beat me." And I just expect that that will happen. I feel like with Holger Rune going out of the tournament, the um, the inner self-belief and confidence which possesses him has jumped into a new host. <laughs> and that host body is that of Ben Shelton. God, I love who that guy. We have both spoken to <laughs> this evening, David. And He's great. We love him. We, I, I, I really love Ben Shelton. He is good news. You, you watch more of his tennis yeah. than I did today we watched a little bit all together didn't we he didn't it was five sets today against JJ Wolf in the John Kane arena but he didn't drop serve all match that serve that lefty serve is is going to take some it's going to take yeah. some beating I, think. I mean other people would be better qualified to, than me to describe the technique I don't know how good the technique is but I do know how the ball comes off the racket and it's sweet it is sweet um the, the the fourth and fifth sets were the ones that I watched really closely because uh, there were there were the, the Runa Rublev match was going on and we were in the flat and there were other matches, um, but he's two sets to one down against a compatriot four years as senior, and very interesting in the on-court interview he said I, I really had to try to control my emotions because I'm you know he's clearly somebody who uses a crowd and uses in intensity and uses his team pumping their fists and, and getting excited. And he said, I couldn't, you can't do that for four and a half hours straight off. You have to hold, it, hold some of it in. So he's, he's lost the third set to go two sets to one down, 7-6. And he's 20 years old. He's never been outside of America in his life. He's never used his passport before this week. He's come to Australia and New Zealand. And he's in the fourth round, but he's two sets to one down. And then he mounts a comeback 
And I'm telling you, the tennis he played, and then it was like then he pushed the intensity button. <laughs> then he pushed the, My OK, come on, let's have this. And he was in the face of the crowd, and, and he wasn't afraid to smack the ball straight through J.J. Wolf. And, and, and he, was, he was playing the most coming-to-get-your-tennis imaginable. It was cavalier, squash-buckling, left-handed stuff, and I loved it. Um, and then, as you say, we both got to speak to him afterwards, you first in the press conference, then I've just had a, a, a five-minute one-on-one with him for BBC Radio. He's, I was about his 10th interview, and he's still looking me on the eye, firm handshake, effusive, interested in the question, giving me a nice, long, detailed answer. Ah, oh, when I think of him and Runa and Alcraz and young Jack Draper, I have high hopes for the future. It yeah. was just it was just uplifting and, and uh, intoxicating. He, uh, he walked into the press conference room and he's wearing a full like Burberry tracksuit, and I'm thinking, oh <laughs> no <my."> way! <laughs> oh my! He's he's got to have something about him to be able to pull this off. And then, as you say, David sits down, looks everyone in the eye, gives these really considered sparky smart answers to to questions that brilliant balance between cockiness and humbleness hashtag humbleness um he talked about how he you know he's still taking part-time college classes his classes started this week (laughs) this week i asked him if you how completely committed to that course that that decision that you've taken to continue with college are you if you win the trophy if you're lifting this trophy on Sunday you seriously going to keep taking college classes and he said oh yeah 100% he said I want to get my degree that is that's really important to me regardless of anything else I I absolutely love that and I feel like other tennis players take note it is I know this is an incredibly demanding sport but you know it's obviously possible to have other interests outside of tennis. We had Danielle Collins talk about it this week, didn't we? You know, I feel like the most well-adjusted tennis players and probably the best tennis players, ultimately, they do have some perspective on life beyond this sport. And Blake Shelton talked about how, you know, he with his... Ben, ben. Oh, my gosh, I've done it again. <laughs> I've done it again. I don't even know who Blake Shelton is. I just am aware of the name as a sort of country music artist that exists in the world. And I got myself in all sorts of a pickle earlier. Oh, I ended up searching for Ben Shelton on Spotify. Anything? Not a lot. No. He hasn't uh, hasn't got a secret rap career like Dennis Shapovalov that he's going to spring on us. Dennis isn't on Spotify, Matt. I I think he is. I think he is. Is he? Yeah, you That's can what? find Night Train on Spotify, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Go get it, folks. <laughs> I really want to see how many listens it's got. Anyway, I digress. Doing it now. Um, I can't remember what I was saying now about poor old poor old Ben Shelton, who I'm mistaking for a... College. College. I feel like other players take note. Yeah. You know, it's healthy to have just something. Something yeah. that knocks tennis. And he was talking about how... His dad, Brian, was a, a professional tennis player. David, you've pulled some extraordinary Brian Shelton knowledge out of the bag from nowhere in, uh, in the recent past. His, his dad reached about 55 in the world as his career high ranking. And he said, look, I know that I've had a lot of opportunities in tennis because of my dad. 
But I also know how hard my dad had it to become a pro and forge that path. And I feel like he's sort of, by that connection, by osmosis, he's got the perspective of somebody who's had a less privileged path, which I think stands him in really good stead. He's got such a twinkle in his eye. I don't think he has the tennis to beat Novak Djokovic, but he might have more belief than anyone else left in this draw. Absolutely. He's got no baggage. He said, look, I know that a a big part of this run I'm on is because of the freedom that I'm playing with. Mm, Oh, that's interesting. Um, So, you know, he's got all of that NCAA college experience, but also the freedom of no baggage and no expectations. And that'll probably only last this tournament. He's got a week of that more. Yeah. Maybe only two days. He was talking to, to me about how he he would have had a wild card because of the exchange between TA and the USTA, but it meant a lot to him that he won the challenges at the end of last year, so he didn't need it. You know, so he got in on his own on his own Love right. That. And uh, there's no entitlement to him, is there? No, he's he's just listen. It's one of those things. There'll be a lot of listeners to this, I think, that will be thinking, well, yeah, we've been trying to tell you about Ben Shelton. Go and watch him. And people have been trying to tell me on Twitter and Instagram, you need to watch this Ben Shelton. And I just haven't kind of really got around to it. And I uh, (laughs) bloody well wish I had, because I loved it. I loved watching him play tennis. And uh, whenever whenever we discover someone like this or or someone just, just plays and it makes you realise, crikey, he could be the next 10, 15 years. It's such a great moment because it's just another phase of the sport and we get to enjoy it. 59,415 plays for Night Train. <laughs> How many for Drip? <laughs> drip? Over 100,000. Oh. I thought we were going to do a higher or lower there. The I would, have, I would have gone higher, mm. I think. Drip is better, I think. We should get Simon Briggs to weigh in on this because he's a former um, music journalist, isn't he? Mm. We'll we'll let you know what Simon thinks. (laughs) What's the least terrible song between Drip and Night Train? Uh, I should say, it took me a little while to find that because I was looking for Shapovalov, but I was forgetting that his his rap name is Shapo. Uh, in his first Grand Slam quarterfinal, Bell Shelton. Oh God, <laughs> not doing well with your name, Ben. Despite being your biggest fan, you just call him this time. But just sort of Bell, Bell, <laughs> something, some sort of hybrid of Ben and Blake. Okay. Um, I'm going to get atted by Ben Shelton fans and Blake Shelton fans. <laughs> yeah. How has this gone so terribly wrong? Ben Shelton will face Tommy Paul, All American Clash that I'm really pumped for. I know this will be a hard sell outside of the tennis world. I really do. It's not going to grab many headlines. But for us tennis nerds, I think this is quite an exciting prospect. 100%. Yeah, it's, my, it's probably my favourite of the men's quarterfinals, actually, when I, when I think about how they might match up. I've always liked Tommy Paul's game. Um, and I will, I will add my voice to, uh, to the Ben Shelton fan club that we seem to be now i'm not not just giving updates on uh, on how drip and night train are doing I, I i did really enjoy his game as well uh he, he sort of managed to make um managed to make big serving 
really interesting and about so much more than that. You know, if you just told me that Ben Shelton had this big lefty serve and he didn't he didn't drop serve in the whole match, I'd have thought, well, you know, how much is there to that? But there's a lot to his game. I, I thought he was great. And, um, yeah, Tommy Paul I've always liked and... He did really well today against Bautista Agu. You know, he's he's a test you've got to pass, Bautista Agu. You've got to beat him. And it was a slightly strange atmosphere on there. They were playing on the second court and a set and a bit in, maybe two sets in, the court just suddenly emptied because lots of the fans came out to where we are now in, in Garden Square to, to watch Alex de Manor versus Novak Djokovic on, on the big screen. And, yeah, it was just a slightly weird environment to play that match in um but paul did really well he um he's he was very, sort of very businesslike isn't he tommy he, paul he's got quite a lot of flair in his game but in terms of how he goes about mm. sort of performing it you know weird atmosphere all of that could have found ways to get annoyed i think in mm. that match roberto bautista is just a headache of an opponent <sighs> but just head down yeah yeah no I, I i think you're exactly right and and also he's very very fit, I think, but physically strong. You know, he, he wasn't... Well, he, was, he sort of said in his on-court interview afterwards that he was, he was getting a little tired because Bautista Agu was starting to move him around a little bit more and they didn't really come across that way. He looked, he looked ready to go five sets against Bautista Agu. Um, and, yeah, I haven't had a chance to ask him yet, but he's, he's changed racket manufacturer over, over the off-season, which always... Slightly, That's a red flag, isn't it, always, it? It is a little bit. A lot, sort of, a lot of players who've struggled with that. I remember Marit Safinby, world yeah. number one, Djokovic changed one from head to Dunlop. And they they were having to still give him his head racket, but in Dunlop colours. Really? For him to try to, that wow. happens quite a lot, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, um, anyway, so I, I, we'll try to ask him about that. But he seems to be you know, performing just as well. And also, um, something I've never noticed about him, but he signed all the... Autographs with his left hand, even though even though he's right-handed, and that's the sort of thing that makes me think. No wonder you have a good backhand, like which he does. Uh, and if you've sort of got two dominant hands on there, then that is going to help, isn't it? And he's got such good hands, Tommy Paul. That's such a feature of his mm. of his game. He can pick up the ball on off his forehand, off his backhand. He's he's just talented, I think, and he's. He's really making the most of that talent now. I, I, I really enjoy watching him play, and yeah, that's a that's a it's an insider great quarterfinal, I think. Yeah, and Ben Shelton said that um, Tommy Paul was the American player who had sort of most taken him under his wing and really made him feel welcome on tour, which is which is really nice to, yeah, to nice. hear, isn't it? Uh, quite an interesting dynamic now that they've got to play each other. <laughs> yeah, isn't it just? Yeah. I, I think Ben Shelton will be able to put that. I'm finding reasons to say Ben Shelton over and over just so I can sort of get the muscle memory. Yeah. Um, j- just on that, I, mean, I think you'll handle it. I, I think Tommy Paul has to be quite a heavy favourite for that match. The one thing that makes me think that that could be different is we watched... Jack Draper beat Tommy Paul mm. two weeks ago here. Remember when we were Big watching the Adelaide too, and, and he, Jack Draper turned it around, won the match. Similar player, Ben Shelton. Good point. Interesting. Yeah, very good point. Well, I think we'll all be watching it. Oh yeah, that match. I mean, we're literally paid to watch it. We, Bloomin' well, should be watching <laughs> it's good, it, isn't it, but we'll be, we'll be, you know. 
not watching it under duress. Can you believe we're like allowed to do this? <laughs> this is great. I can't. We're going to be doing it again in Indian Wells, David. Hey. This is the portion of the show where we falsely promise people breakfast with a C-list tennis player in Miami. Who would you like to choose today? Botic van der Zanskoop. <laughs> Oh, I'm looking forward that to that. That is already. not the hard sell, Matt. We Botic. want people to enter this competition. Boat it might come alive at breakfast. <laughs> well, if you would like to win tickets <laughs> for a three night stay at the official Miami Open Hotel for two guests with two full day and night sessions worth of tickets to the tennis, premium hospitality, transportation to the venue all included, then you need to subscribe to the newsletter if you bizarrely haven't already the link to do so is in our show notes and then follow the url to enter the competition if you're a uk or us resident tours for tennis.com forward slash podcast tours the number four tennis.com forward slash podcast the prize is being offered by our sponsors for the australian open on location the premium hospitality and experience provider they're also offering a five percent discount code to all friends of the tennis podcasts on on all steve fergal's international tennis tours throughout 2023 um so become a friend of the podcast to get access to that and keep listening because we're all going to be in indian wells not having breakfast with Botic van der Zanskel. Oh, because we were looking up our accommodation options today. We were. Very exciting. I'll be having breakfast like a troll on my own. <laughs> nobody, nobody needs to see me in the first hour after I wake up. Botic van der Zanskel included. <laughs> and I'm sure he feels the same. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hello, tennis podcast listeners. David here. You may know that I'm into my cooking, and I particularly like it when Catherine and Matt come to Solihull for meetings so that I can, you know, show off with my culinary talent. However, even I can do with a bit of help sometimes, and being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is pretty appealing to me, and Home Chef's meals, well, they're effortless. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. It's economical too. Home Chef customers save on average $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com forward slash tennis. That's homechef.com forward slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. 
homechef.com forward slash tennis and you must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Now, the women's matches from today. We started our day at 11am, which isn't the hour that we wanted to be watching it, but there we all were, having having a lovely time on the sofa at 11am with brunch, watching Arena Sabalenka beat Belinda Bencic 7-5-6-2. A great match for a while until Sabalenka surged and Bencic wasn't able to live with her mentally I think that was certainly my take it was utterly destructive tennis from Arena Sabalenka but I felt like for a good while there Bencic had the answers or a lot of the time she had enough answers to to be in the battle but then it felt like as soon as Sabalenka got on top the fight drained out of Belinda Bencic I don't know if that's a a bit harsh but I felt like with a little bit more belief in her game that match could at least have been extended. I agree. I think Bencic was brilliant to begin with. She was she was a break-up, uh, 4-2, playing really well, doing the sort of things that we thought would make her a real threat to Sabalenka, using Sabalenka's power, sort of turning it back on her. There were sort of some moments where she was so committed to just taking the ball early that she ended up just sort of wandering into the net and sort of casually hitting backhand drive volleys away for winners. It was it was all the great Belinda Bencic things for, for six games there. And it sort of dawned on me, watching these two up against each other, that they could both use a little bit of each other's strengths. Like, I think Bencic needs a bit more fire and a bit more grit on court. And Sabalenka just sometimes just needs to chill out a bit and I think this match showed that Sabalenka has kind of acquired that now you know maybe not you know sort of 100% of the time but enough of the time that her game is just really secure and steady and reliable at the moment and and her mind is as well and there was an opportunity there to panic 4-2 down against Bengtschich and she just didn't she just kept swinging away and improved and you know shots that maybe were landing a little bit out to begin with started going in and eventually she just was playing so well that Bengtschich couldn't handle it and she said that in her in her press conference I couldn't handle Sabalenka's power and if Bengtschich can't who as we saw in that start of the match does have the skills to do it then it's going to be very, very difficult for sort of anyone to handle that power, I think. Um, I thought she was absolutely awesome, Sabalenka. And I do agree with you about Bengtschik, though. The the fight seems to just slightly drain out of her. She double-faulted on some really crucial points. Set point in the first set, break point in the second set. And Sabalenka was playing so well, you just couldn't afford to, to be helping her out like that. Um, but yeah, another another match where... I have thought that Sabalenka has gone up a level or, or changed for the better. She just she just seems so much so much more likely to be a Grand Slam contender now than she ever has done, and not just because of her game, but just because of her sort of demeanour on court and and how confident she seems, and not having the ups and downs. It's it's a very different Arena Sabalenka experience watching her. Mm. Yeah, not a great day for Dmitry Tursunov. 
No, we, we don't know how it ended between Tursunov and Sabalenka. We, in fact, we think it was weird. Th- we think it was <laughs> weird. We think you know, a lot of their time together might have been weird. I'm going purely on Instagram posts, but <laughs> those Instagram posts were deeply weird. Yep. Um, and I don't know this for sure, but I imagine it probably felt pretty good for Arena Sabalenka to get that win. Yeah, she she did look like a reasons. different player. She looked. It was a bit like. Watching Rublev today, suddenly she looked. She gave you a serenity watching her. They were quite at ease watching her. But look, as you said, Bencic was able to turn her power back on her in the first half a dozen games. I thought Bencic would win. As a result of that, she was a break up. But yeah, I, I think one of the issues is it looks like Bencic doesn't expect to lose when she goes out there. And then the moment she starts to lose, doesn't really know what to do. Um, and and accept to lose, and uh, yeah, Sabalenka is just different. Sabalenka is so focused now on playing every point at a time, and not getting carried away, and not getting angry at herself, and all the rest of it. She's more dangerous than she's ever been. Yeah, I've I've never trusted Arena Sabalenka like I do right now, and it, it might be a temporary thing. It's, it's very interesting, Matt, what you were saying yesterday about players having moments. This might just be it mm. for Sabalenka and she has to capitalise but I really do have a lot of trust in her just now which is not what I want to be saying because and you know we've made no secret of our allegiances here next up Sabalenka faces Donna Vekic who is being co-coached at the moment by our friend Pam Shriver and we just uh, we're so we're happy for Donna that she won today three sets against Linda Fruvitova she fought so hard for this one it's only her second ever Grand Slam quarter final which is staggering going to be a good player Um, and her first since 2019 US Open that was uh, her first Grand Slam quarter final we're just so chuffed for them both and I think it was easy to just be unashamedly chuffed for them today because Linda Fruvitova is clearly extremely good and her time was will come you know it, I think it's okay for her to have made way for Donna Vekic and, and Pam today <laughs> I don't feel any guilt about that no, no. Uh, you're right I mean look we on the whole we do at least try to we certainly try to look at every match objectively in, in order to come to a view on what we might think might happen and what did happen but I, I, I was punching the air when Vekic was winning that match today and when you know, the, what she was going through, she's been on the tour a long time. You know, Fruverta Fri- was a 17-year-old. I remember when Donna Vekic was winning quite quite big matches when she was 16. It's 10 years ago. This is her 11th Australian yeah, Open. This is it. And, and I've always felt that she hasn't fulfilled her potential. Um, and I think her potential is a lot better than the one quarterfinal she got at the US Open here she is in the second one now I don't know whether it's potential that can help her beat Marina Sabalenka or not I don't know but I think this is a, just a great story and it, the fact that there are so few female coaches out there and there are so many great former female champions out there that are not being tapped into and to see Pam be one of them and to be able to get her side of it as, as often as we're able to I just think it's just a really great moment and um, and I'm just overjoyed for Pam on a personal level but also I just hope that this starts a movement in that direction mm. because why not? 
Pam only went down to San Diego to 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 sort of try to further and, and progress her her work in the safeguarding area of, of the sports, which she's, she's doing such admirable work in. And she wanted to speak to Nona Vekic as part of that. She ended up being somebody that Donna turned to for advice about the, the sport. And here she is now helping her to her joint best result ever. Mm. And I and there is And there are so many former players that choose not to to give a lot back to the game and that is absolutely their right you know some people have nothing left to give after they retire and Pam's giving so much she's working in broadcasting she's you know she's she's dabbling in in coaching now and she is so committed to making tennis and in particular women's tennis address what we all know is a deep-rooted and alarming problem in the sport, the the problem, the the story that she told on this podcast and to Simon Briggs in the Telegraph, progress will be made and is being made slowly. You know, the safeguarding officials have been appointed at the ATP and the WTA now, but it is grindingly slow progress. Pam is having to keep this issue thrust into the into the headlines wherever she possibly can it's relentless tiring work and it must just be emotionally exhausting for Pam to be constantly having to to relive her trauma um, there was a, a piece that came out that she did in in the Melbourne age today and it is a brilliant piece I tweeted it um, and it's just reminding people nothing's changed this is still going on as much as it ever was and she's She's not going to let tennis sleep on this anymore. The conversation will be had eventually, and that'll be in large part thanks to Pam. So, good on you, Pam. Yeah. And here, good on here. you, Donna. And and and, 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 and and Pam said something to us today, which I think struck us all while we were watching the match, that this was particularly impressive from Vekic because she wasn't at her best today. You know, we'd watched her in the previous two rounds barely lose games against uh, Sam Sonover and and Parithas Diaz and today she looked like she was in that mood in, in the first set 6-1 but then it got trickier and I always think that's such a good sign when a when a player can play well well can win even though they're not at their best and that that third set she really had to scrap she really had to run the points were long she really had to work hard and maybe that's been the element that's been slightly missing from from Donna Vekic in the past. When it when it gets really tough in matches, can she still sort of find a way through? And she she was brilliant today, and um, she actually leads the head to head against Sabalenka, who she meets in Handsomely. the quarterfinals. Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those head to heads which is maybe slightly misleading. It, it, it's five one, uh, but I think. Half of those matches were pre-2018, which was, you know, really sort of Sabalenka's year when she emerged. You know, I think some of them were in qualifying. If you just take sort of the last three, it's it's two-one, but they've been they've they've been close. And most recently, Vekic did beat Sabalenka in in San Diego, the the tournament that that David referenced, where um, Pam and Donna first started working together. So, you know, we were sort of trying to picture that match up in our minds weren't we and we thought well 
it's going to be very, very difficult, we've, we felt, for Vekic to deal with Sabalenka's power. But, you know, the head-to-head would suggest that she can. So I think there's, there's real life in that, in that quarter-final. And if nothing else, it'll give Donna Vekic belief when she steps yeah, onto that court. So. So, um, so. The other quarter-final from this bottom half of the draw will be Magdalene Nett against Karolina Pliskova. Now, Pliskova, perhaps not a surprise on the basis of the match that she played today against Zhang Shui, won pretty comfortably two straight sets. I think on paper, most of us would have expected her to come through that as much as we weren't, you know, paying, quite frankly, particularly close attention to her before the tournament. Magdalenette beating Caroline Garcia is a big surprise and that's even given the fact that Garcia had a massive wobble uh, and an uphill battle in in the deciding set on her hands in the previous round against Laura Siegmund I thought that was Garcia's wobble out of the Mm. way and the fact that she had navigated it would make her stronger in the tournament I wasn't looking at this as a potential upset I mean Magdalenette was great she is definitively tricky and you know she she absolutely was that today for Garcia but Garcia plays her best tennis and she wins Garcia plays a bit less than her best tennis and wins Garcia was so far off it today and we had a bit of a debate about this earlier didn't we you know she relentlessly persisted with her unbelievably brave game style you know standing well inside the baseline to receive first serve and pretty much on the service line to receive the second serve and when that's not working and it really wasn't today brave looks stupid it, it, you know, it was shouting at the TV, why are you still doing that? But then it's this thing of, I've got to trust my game. This is how I do things. I've got to trust myself. If I start doing things differently, then that's, you know... And th- this is what got me... This is what got me here. And I don't, you know, I, I you'll be shocked to hear I <laughs> am I'm not on a level of, enough with professional athletes to know, uh, maybe it's horses for courses, to know which is the right thing. I know that... I like to see players who are able to make mid-match adjustments. That I enjoy watching that, you know, the chess-like atmosphere of, of the sport and I just think it generally is a is a good sign of a player that's able to adapt and win in more than one different way, but equally I do get the whole trust in your game point. At some point though, if it's not working to that degree, mm. You have to have a cut-off point in your mind where you have a plan B. It was alarming today. It was alarming. And I know that's not the whole problem. She was also serving really badly. And she she relied on her serve two nights ago. The serve has been such a marker of her success on this in the, these last six months. Like, you know, I get that she still would have had a battle on, on her hands against a very good player. But that's it. Lynette's a very good player. And just to keep thrashing away with something that's not working and hope that it pans out I don't know it was a tough watch mm. yeah it was and she was a double break up in in the first set and, and didn't capitalise on that she was below 50% on her first serve for the match as you said that's that was always going to sort of put her on the back foot Lynette 
has beaten a long line of players over the last few years that you wouldn't necessarily think that she would beat in a slam. You know, Ons Jabeur, of course, being the main one in, in the French Open last year, and Amanda Nisimova she's beaten, and Alina Svitolina, and Annette Contevate already this, this tournament. Like, she gets good, win at, good wins at slams. It's not like Caroline Garcia is out on her own in terms of losing to Magdalenette. I think that's something that we should absolutely... Uh, you know, put forward as context for this match, but yeah, it, it was bad from from Garcia, um, and I, I completely agree with you that I I would love to see her make those mid-match adjustments, and you know, I was calling out for it just like you were, but I think I can understand why she doesn't. I think p- part of it is she doesn't necessarily have that in her game, and part of it is this. It's, it's only going to be successful if she fully trusts in it. And I do think that approach, you need, to be, you need to be playing with confidence. And I think she was last season playing with a lot of confidence. She got so many wins. And maybe the Siegmund match, I felt the same way. I felt like she was going to take a lot from that. Maybe it knocked her confidence because she wasn't playing well. And she stepped onto the court today maybe, I don't know, with some doubts perhaps. And... I just think, yeah, it's a game style where you've got to be fully committed. And she's tried, you know, not really being offensive, not really being defensive, sort of stuck in the middle of game styles in the past. And it's not really got her anywhere either. This has got her the, her best results consistently, I suppose, over a six to nine month period going back to last summer. she's been She's been really good. So I can see why she wanted to stick with it, even though sort of in the moment it looked like madness because it wasn't working um, so maybe that's the next step for her maybe maybe the next step is trying to make some adjustments while still fully believing in this approach but I think there are some question marks over whether Garcia can really keep this up you know we still don't really know what happened with her coach at the end of last season that's a bit of a question mark who you know, he just left her right on the eve of the WTA finals. I also think being the French number one, and, you know, there aren't really any other French players, men's or women's at the moment, who are genuine Grand Slam contenders. And, you know, France expects there to be, I think, Grand Slam contenders. I imagine that that's quite a lot sort of to deal with as well. And, um, yeah, I... I I guess I was surprised that she lost to Magdalenette today, but sort of with all that context, maybe maybe it isn't quite as, as surprising as it seemed. I don't know. That noise you can hear in the background, by the way, is Aussie sensation Storm Hunter <laughs> and her doubles partner Elisa Mertens being interviewed on the Rod Laver Arena because they have won. So they've Storm Hunter is given the Aussie crowd that just watched the demolition of Alex Dumanor something to go home feeling proud about tonight. Magdalenette versus uh, Carolina Pliskova by the way um, Pliskova said in, in her press conference I don't want to say it's a good draw but if you look at the <laughs> ranking of course <laughs> which you know classic Pliskova she, she, she doesn't really hold back really love that but um, they have played recently 7-6 in the third oh. in the US Open to Pliskova 
and they played at uh, Billie Jean King Cup as well, and, and Magdalenette won that. So they've, they've they've had some they've had they've had some close matches, even if Pliskova's delighted with her draw. <laughs> uh, that match, as with all the quarterfinals that we've we've talked about today, will be played in two days' time on Wednesday. Tomorrow's match is Tuesday. Um, are as follows from well not before 12.30 following on from a uh, mixed doubles quarter final featuring Aussie sensations Lizette Cabrera and uh, JP Smith they're opening up the <laughs> Rod Laver Arena uh, following on from that not before 12.30 Elena Rabakina and Elena Ostapenko uh, then it's Karen Hashinov uh, against Sebastian Corder personally I'd have switched those two matches around but no issue with either of them being the day session matches uh, top billing in the night session delighted about this at 7 p.m local time jessica pagula taking on victoria as a renker and then it's sit to pass against yuri lehechka and that's it for singles action tomorrow it's that time of the tournament where everything on the singles front and look we will talk about doubles in in due course and give it its uh, its dues um but we're not quite at that stage yet because we don't quite have time yet because there's still so much to talk about on the singles front but don't worry we uh, will get there over the course of this week and we'll talk talk about the wheelchair tournament as well i'm sure matt will spy some 13 year old in the juniors that's going to be the next Ben Shelton <laughs> the next Ben Shelton uh, so we'll keep you across all of that of course but for today day 8 of the Australian Open brought to you for the duration of the tournament in association with On Location and Steve Fogel's Tennis Tours that is it we have our Australian Open mascot Cordelia David has his mascot Maisie I've Maisie. got Zenia uh, no need to talk about what happened today, Zenia. Matt's got Darwin. Uh, Billy Jean is sponsored by Billy Jean King and Alana Kloss. We have our top folks and executive producers, Jamie, Drew, and Hannah. And we have shout outs, Matt. We do. We have a very special shout out today. Uh, newsletter subscribers will know that one of the people that we're taking on in, in the predictions is, is written as PJF. And that is actually three people. Uh, that is PJ, Joe and Fee. So this is a shout out for all of them. They've known each other for 20 years. They met oh. playing tennis in Sydney. Uh, PJ now has moved to Queensland, but they're still very much connected and in touch. And the reason we're doing the shout out today is that PJ would like to wish and we would all like to wish Joe and Fee a very happy birthday because they are twin sisters and their birthday is tomorrow, Tuesday the 24th of January when I'm sure they will be listening to this podcast. So happy birthday, Joe and Fee. I love everything about that, Joe and and Fee. Fee. Um, I'd like to be in that gang. Sounds Mm. brilliant. Awesome. Have a brilliant birthday. That's it. That is our shout-out section today. Love that. Me Brilliant. Too. Perfect way to wrap up the show. We'll be back with you, of course, tomorrow. It's before midnight. Who'd have thought <laughs> it's it? Only, it's only 11, 18 Do you remember when Matt said, I want to get to bed by midnight? And we laughed in his we face. We laughed in Matt's his face. Matt's playing tennis tomorrow morning and wants a good night's sleep because it turns out... Matt is more competitive than we all realised before this trip. He's going to be doing stretching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He is going to be partnering Simon Briggs. So check out our 
Instagram for hashtag content tomorrow. Uh, and of course, listen to the podcast. We'll be here. You'll be here. We'll speak to you then. <laughs>